All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Gravel Trap F1 Live. Christina was just telling me about um, something to do with Disney. And it's a Christmas movie. Christmas time themes. Makes me cry. Like, I don't know what it. Christmas movies just make me happy, but they also make me inexplicably just like emotional. Actually, it's not even inexplicably. I know why it makes me emotional. It's just the holidays and everybody is willing to like do so much for each other. Why can't we be nice like that all year round? Well, you had said something like, why, why do they try to make us sad at the holidays? And they like they just tug on your emotional strings so much. Oh, but isn't ever, isn't that the the model now? Like my girlfriend watches a lot of Desperate Housewives and or any reality show where that Andy Cohen guy interviews people afterwards, and they sit oh. in a little round table thing, and it's it's it, all the interviews and conversations and narratives seem to be surrounded by like let's get like into a sad emotional space because that's what's going to resonate with viewers more than a joyous one so tell me about this hardship you had tell me tell me about this i just feel See, like that's a more used I hate narrative shows like that. i okay i can't my big thing is like why are you publicly airing all of this sadness that's not actually the healthy way to deal with it like go like why are you monetizing your tears just go talk to a therapist you guys make enough money for that Below Complete Decks. And Have other you watched nonsense. any of that? Did I watch what? Below Decks. It's a yachting. No. I know show. what it is. Oh. But like it, okay. it started coming it... on once I no longer had access to like TLC or anything like that. Okay. So in theory, now I do well, have access to some of the reality stuff, but I don't. We'll, we'll have a whole separate show all about reality <laughs> shows. Uh, today we're here to talk about the Brazilian Grand Prix. Uh, Caroline couldn't make it. So uh, we actually have a question right off the bat. This would be perfect for you, Christina. Can you yes. explain how Alex Albon got 20th place when Charles didn't even make it to the starting lap? Shouldn't he have? Yeah. How, how was there a 20th space if Charles wasn't even in the race? I would assume it's because of the... My big assumption would be that neither Albon nor Charles crossed that timing line that is towards the end of the main straight. And so neither mm -hmm. of them was counted. And since Charles's qualifying order was higher up, he was placed higher up. That would be my assumption. Uh, I would have to double check that. But that would be the only logical thing because it rarely... Sometimes it doesn't follow anything logical. It's literally just when did cars cross whatever arbitrary line that the FIA have decided. So that is my best guest estimate. It's an educated guess, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it sounds about right. Like, it sounds like it would come down to a technical thing the computer spits out as well as sometimes I'm sure humans just have to make a decision and be like, put the name on the board. Yes. But it would it make matters. sense if Charles were in 20th, but... It will probably come down to a timing line thing, yes. Because Albon's yeah. car crashed out, like, right at the side of um, the main straight. Like, right there. Mm -hmm. it, he was not far down like Magnuson was. Isn't there a, a lot... Isn't there a safety car line? The second safety car line is where the pit lane and the track merge together. But then there That's are also... That's after turn three. 
Yes, like that's way down there. So it wouldn't have been that line. That was the line they were using for safety car purposes and like relining up on the main starting grid. But for, um, I'm imagining that actually, hold on, I have a picture actually in my possession that might answer this question. Because I was looking into a whole bunch of just like Brazil start line things. Yeah, so there's right safety there. car that would be the line one. Right yeah, I can't find any other lines that would be a time record thing, but it might just be as simple as I'd have to go and look at it for sure of what other timing lines we'll get they back have. To you sometimes, on that. sometimes they also have subsectors. Like, it's not just sector one, two, three. It might also not be the safety right. car line. It might just be the timing sectors. Um, it was a sprint weekend, our Gosh, last one of the year. I forget what even happened in the sprint race. Are you done with the sprint races? Are you kind of feeling like they're not really serving a purpose? Or Not particularly. You... My big pet peeve is that they want to do sprint races. Okay, cool. But they keep choosing tracks that are very ill-suited to a sprint race. If you want to do a sprint race, you have to be doing them at these short tracks. So that way the cars are actually going through those good overtaking zones a number of times. Mm -hmm. like somewhere like Spa, they can go through the good overtaking zones like half of the amount of times than they would somewhere here like Brazil. So in this case, if you want to make the argument for having sprint races, you have to pick the appropriate venue for that. And they haven't been. Additionally, my big pet peeve as well is that I like the idea of, yes, including more competitive sessions on a weekend because the current main setup is that you have three practice sessions out of five total sessions. So the majority of the time the cars mm -hmm. are on track, it's not competitive, which is fine if you're a, like data nerd that is perfectly acceptable but the majority of people are not the majority of people just want to see the cars go vroom tire to tire wheel to wheel like that is the thing so i think they need to take a step back and look at the bigger picture of okay we want to add a third competitive session what could that look like i feel like they're getting too hung up on it being a sprint race that has no pit stops and that's only 100 kilometers when realistically there are other options that could make it that could give us something else to watch. They've just got hung up on an idea that's just not working. Have you seen any indication that teams are treating the sprint as more of a practice session to learn yes. about race pace and learn about the Grand Prix and not 100%. really concern themselves with? Have you? I mean, have you seen them talk about that? I haven't seen anything to that effect. Aston Martin did that at Coda. Okay. Like pretty blatantly, they turned the whole weekend almost into a practice session for both their cars. And like, that's what led them to just remove a bunch of upgrades and revert back to an older version of the car this weekend? Yeah. Like, it was between that, between Mexico, there was just, there was a lot of things that Aston Martin needed to change. And I'm glad they did, because it was well worth the result. Alpha Tauri scored their first sprint points. Yeah, go Yuki. Go Yuki. Boop, 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 yoinks. I'm very happy for him. I, that was good to see. I was impressed with Ricardo. Yeah, he did what he did. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but we know Daniel Ricardo is good. And it feels like my, my big annoyance right now is that 
the Alpha Tower admin recently changed. Post Canada, the guy Josh who was in charge left and now they have somebody new. And whoever it is, is like, I don't suspect it was up to them. I suspect it was from like the higher ups, but there seems to have been a decision made that you prioritize any media that has Daniel Ricardo in it. So all of Yuki's like getting points or any of the context being added for why he didn't set a fast lap time, none of that gets really mentioned. But anytime Daniel Ricardo does so much as like breathe, it's like, look at what he did. And so right now I'm just like, it's not Daniel, but I am slightly annoyed when I hear Daniel Ricardo's name because I'm just like, for fudge sakes, like he's been, he's driving exactly how you expect Daniel Ricardo to drive. Like mm -hmm. he, he hasn't done anything actually spectacular. He's literally just done exactly what is expected out of him. He made some bold moves in Mexico, I thought. Oh no, he did. But he did exactly, but, but that's the thing, is those bold moves are what I expect out of Danny Ricardo, which is why I don't feel like it's something spectacular that needs to be applauded. It's kind of just like, he did exactly what you would expect Daniel Ricardo to do. Whereas with Yuki, it's kind of like he has been on a journey this year of leadership, of having new different teammates every other week kind of a thing, of not having a good time in Mexico. And here he is like putting out a really, really good performance and it's not fully being appreciated, which is where I'm kind of like, seriously? Really? <laughs> like? Uh, Stephen M.A. Uh, says that he's pretty sure Logan Sargent said during an interview this weekend that Williams was treating the sprint like a test session as well. Yeah. I imagine that's like anybody who's massively out of the points. If you're 10th and below, starting 10th and below, it's, it's P3. You might as well. Or it's, yeah. I'm sorry, it's FP3 for you. Yeah. Um, like, all right. What do we think the disparity between Piastri and Norris's performance was due to? Was that the car? Or was that them? It's both. At the end of the day, Norris's car has been getting damaged like, round after round after round. He's been quite unlucky. But at the end of the day, even if he did not have the damage, Norris would still be coming out on top because he's in his fifth year in Formula One. He knows how to manage tires in a way that Piastri just hasn't grasped yet and that he will get eventually, but he's still a rookie. Like, you should never expect that Piastri would regularly do better than Norris. On average, Lando will still always be better. Like. That's just all what it is. Individual days, Piastri might have a better one. But overall, nah. It'll still be Norris being number one for a long haul. All right. Um, as far as the race goes, I was a little more impressed with the, with the Grand Prix than the sprint, I think, overall. Um, and, not, and that's not even counting the amazing finish for P3. <laughs> Oh. Uh, but even before it even started, mm -hmm. um, we lose Leclerc and I mean, people were kind of losing their minds over it and it, everything I, I read and I saw it's, there was a hydraulic issue that Carlos had also had recently that plagued him. Mm -hmm. Did you see anything to indicate he maybe just made a mistake and they're trying to cover it up? No, every single report that I've read, every single thing that I've seen has been, although I do think that they added, they did add some clarification. It was specifically losing power to the steering wheel, lost power steering and engine power. 
so that was the specific failure that we got a little bit more detail into but no like the way that the car spun out very specifically it's kind of like no that is not a driver losing control that is just the car not turning and flying so absolutely brutal um, for him nothing but sadness and ennui so I just pulled up something. Uh, Michael Sully, you had asked about how Albon got 20th. I don't know where this Google result is getting their information, probably formula1.com, but it does show Leclerc is 20th here and Albon is 19th. If that okay. Makes, so maybe it was uh, just I mean, a wonky timing screen. Yeah, because it, it does indicate that Leclerc was DNS, whereas Albon was DNF. Yeah. So. There's that. Maybe um, it was where the cars. Like sometimes the timing loops do something wonky. Not or not even the timing loops, but mm -hmm. the GPSs. So if you move the car at a certain point, it'll rec keep recording stuff. So who knows? Oh yeah. I wonder if that's ever happened where they've had the car on a, on, a, on one of those cranes and they're moving it around and it's clocking timing lines along the way. <laughs> yeah. Then they just have to go man in manually and remove those data points or something like that. Because <laughs> that does affect. I mean, it doesn't matter as much, but it will affect long-term stats and yeah. records of what, what happened. Um, so who was your, was your personal driver of the day from the Grand Prix? Fernando. 100% yeah. Fernando. Like, that defense and then that waiting for the last minute to attack, brilliant. So good. Like, he just put out such a great drive, especially in a car that's been being so finicky, and that as much as they have fixed things, it is still nowhere near being, well, it's close to being, but it's not quite a top three car even. It is still, like, fourth or fifth conservatively, you know? It's, mm -hmm. it was just phenomenal to see him absolutely pulling that car as far as it could possibly go and doing everything, everything. Like, he left nothing out there. Ugh. I, I screamed at the television so loudly. Like, <laughs> there was a lot of cussing during that last lap. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I do feel like if you if you were to remove Red Bull from the equation and just look at the rest of the grid, it, the, the most of this year has felt like what I imagine it felt like in certain parts of like the 80s and 90s before Ferrari took, you know, took that dominant string. Mm -hmm. But from track to track certain cars have different you know are stronger here than than they are there and you see that in a wider array with the rest of the grid and it it's it's fun to watch that variety from week to week if you just kind of close one eye and ignore you know p1 on the leaderboard and yeah it, it's just nice to be there because like having been a fan who's like started becoming like a, a big fan at the end of the Mercedes dominance and the beginning of the Red Bull. Like, it's nice to see this, you know, one day Alfa Romeo's like topping the charts at, during practice and there's hope <laughs> it could be a spicy weekend. Like that's just fun to have that kind of variety week to week. Definitely. It's, it's, and that's my one pet peeve right now actually is that there are so many on track battles that are going on. We are seeing so many really good things, but, and here's the pet peeve, not that we're actually seeing battles, love seeing the battles, but the broadcast direction has gotten a little shoddy 
there has been a couple of moments, noticeably, in the last couple of races where you have something very spicy going on on track and they cut away to something else and they don't even do picture in picture. Like, what is going that on happened for yesterday. you guys? Like, excuse me. We know that Max is winning. It's fine. We've seen it a bajillion times. Cut away to him for maybe like two seconds. But stay with the good stuff. Keep that picture in picture 100% no matter what. Like, definitely yeah, frustrating Crossing on and Brundle that commented on that. They, they were in the middle of commentating a battle and they cut away. And they're like, we'll try and keep you informed of what's going on there while they show you this car all by itself on track. Yeah, it's um, definitely Do they do a lot of picture in picture? I don't feel like I've seen a lot of live mini picture with the replay. I've got a lot of side by sides. Okay. That's what I get a lot. And you're of. on I watch, F1 TV, right? I watch F1 TV. Yes, I don't watch Sky. Okay. I watch F1 TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I like it. A bit better. Is Sky an option for you? Yeah, it is. In I Canada? can just switch. Yeah, you just switch with broadcaster. Okay. You have, but I like the, I like F1 TV. I like those guys. Mm-hmm. They're good. Um, Stroll finished yeah. fifth, which is, is the first time he's been in the top ten, right? It's like better. It's much better than I expected. Like he held on well. I the thing is the most frustrating part is that he's so wildly inconsistent. He can have these very good days that you're like, where did you pull that from? But a lot of the times he's kind of just there on track and you're it just leaves you wondering what has to change so that way we can up that consistency of good days because if you're capable of doing this why have you been doing that well he i mean we haven't been saying for the last few weeks or months that stroll has been kind of falling in the back we've been saying aston martin's been falling in the back it's been both, like, though. Like, well, uh, well, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, I don't think it's been that, that he hasn't been performing the last few months. I feel like the car has just been direct because Alonzo was back there with him for, you know, not, in, in not in the same and, way, not in the no? same way at all. Alonzo has still regularly been like five, six positions up on stroll. Like a noticeable gap has always been between those cars for these last couple, ha- like 10 ish races, I want to say. It's been drastic. It's been extremely noticeable, especially the number of times where Stroll is regularly out in Q1 and Alonso makes it all the way to Q3. Like, even with the bad car, that has still kind of been happening. Yeah. You're a Gasly fan. How... Did you feel about Gasly's performance? He did a very solid job this weekend. He was attacking well. He was defending well. He was gaining positions really well. He's one of those drivers that I always feel like he kind of just got lost in the shuffle. Red Bull promoted him too soon and then demoted him. So he was the one who paid the consequence for their bad decision. And then Mm -hmm. he really didn't get any development for a couple of years. But the thing is, you were able to see how good he was in that Alpha Tauri for those first couple of years because the car was decent. He was putting the car up in like fourth and fifth regularly in 2021, I think it was. And he won a race. He got a podium. 
And now he's in an Alpine, which is a decent car, but a team that's kind of a bit of a wreck. And it just leaves me very frustrated because I feel like he could have, he should be having a career that's a lot closer to what Carlos has, where you're, you know, a supporting driver, maybe, but you're still up there in one of the good teams, still regularly getting podiums and regularly getting points. And I do need him to do better at his race starts. Those things are still utterly hot garbage about 50% of the time. Maybe I'll be nicer and, and not say hot garbage, but they're not great, okay? They leave me quite disappointed a lot of the time. So it was, it was nice to see him having a pretty solid weekend. The, all of his performances since the end of summer have been very nice. It's been good to see. Uh, Steve comments, I think Stroll is under pressure to perform or else lose the seat with Aston's entry into endurance racing. I think there's been a preparation from, I can't see that word, Daddy Stroll for Lance to exit F1 and put him into endurance racing. Well, as long as that's a conversation, my big thing is that there should never be a fully guaranteed seat with some obvious exceptions, like someone like Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen, where it's kind of just like, yeah, give them a seat forever. That makes sense. But for most drivers, it doesn't make sense to do that. You have to have, everybody should be having kind of that ax swinging over their heads of like, you have to do a good job. If not, you're out. Like mm -hmm. it, it would have seemed ridiculous to me for him not to have that. And especially mm -hmm. because Lawrence Stroll, as much as I'm sure he loves his son, you can see how competitive he is as a person. That comes through when you hear interviews and you hear statements. He's not a guy who likes to lose. And as much as he loves his kid, at a certain point gets to be, no, I have to be the owner of this dang team and make the tough decision. So I hope that's what's been going on behind the scenes because... As great as job security is for most of us, they are not most of us. And, you know, a little bit of stress should be fine for them. Uh, something I, I had up on the screen for the viewers while we were talking there. Verstappen's latest win means he'll soon break a 71-year-old F1 record. Yeah. Apparently, if he finishes the season out above 75% <clears throat> in terms of wins, um, he'll beat Alberto Ascari's record Win of 75% wins in 1952. Yeah. Yeah. But it says here in, under F1's Formula 2 rules. Yeah. Which I don't know what that sounds... There's a couple of years where the regulations weird. were wonky, so it's like there's a bunch of caveats because of how long the sport's been going on and how much things have changed. <laughs> a lot of these stats both mean a lot and mean only something. Is there anything to be concerned? <clears throat> Pardon me. Is there anything you think there to be concerned about with how that tire flew down the track? Yes. And, like hit a bunch of cars. Is there? Yes. Is there? Okay. Explain. The thing is, we've seen tire failures kind of like that a handful of times now just this year. Like, the way the Alpine crash, I'd have to go back and look at that, but I think that one had tire damage in that sense that it, like, flew off. We had uh, Qatar Lewis's wheel flung off again like that. 
So mm-hmm. you can't just say like this is an isolated incident where the tire got hit just in a specific funky way. This wasn't a particularly funky accident. It was an accident where cars just like hit up against each other. And you have to be prepared for that eventuality. They do have to strengthen that tire wall. Like that was also one of the things that was leading to the tires failing so drastically in Qatar. And yes, Qatar had extreme conditions, but the tire construction is definitely one of the contributing factors. Cause that again, that wasn't the compounds that were the issue. Well, that was a separate issue, but the sidewalls and how it wasn't strong enough to stay latched onto the main hub was a big thing. And just the way that you can see, in this case, I think it might've been slightly different because you do see that the tire from that car stayed in one big rubberized piece. But I do think it's still worth it to look into why are so many of these tires just like busting off essentially and breaking physically apart. It just, it seems that the long, the, the wider the tire wall is, the more r- room for leverage to rip it off you have. You have more surface area. To, for it to mm-hmm. just peel off. When you have a low profile tire, there's not as much rubber to leverage to roll it off the rim like that and, and tear off just the intact, you know, rubber ring. So that, I don't know if that's something they're going to be able to get rid of unless they redesign how the rim overlaps with the rubber to kind of hold it. Because there's a bead in there that like will seat into a little groove, but maybe some kind of overlapping with the rim. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a tire engineer. There's also a huge chunk of those cars that went flying up over the barrier into the pit lane. <laughs> Did you not see that on the broadcast? I'm sorry, tires or just debris? No, no, just debris, just chunk of car. Okay. Went that went like the... yeeted up over, not into the stands, thankfully, because like those people have a different they insurance. They had enough trouble. They had enough trouble, but like, you know, in the yeah. pit lane, they have legit insurance. They assume a lot more risks with their lives than, than spectators do. Uh, but yeah, there was just a shower of car came fluttering down and I really want to know what did it hit in the pit lane? Where did it land in the pit lane? Ah. You know. Um, so we were in Brazil. The, the F1 was in Brazil uh, before that Mexico and before that like it feels like six months ago we were in Austin Yeah. Um, and they are rehashing some stuff from Austin where I believe Haas is petitioning to have some track limit stuff uh, looked at reviewed. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? It makes sense to do. Quite frankly, you can see from a number of footage angles that there were cars that were repeatedly going off. I think turn six specifically was the review I saw. So if random fans are able to pull together that footage then yeah most likely guaranteed Haas is going to be able to go in with additional information and say nah we should review this especially with certain cars I haven't gone and done a deep dive on all the cars that have been called in that's Williams Aston Martin and Red Bull have all been called in to have their stuff reviewed on Wednesday Mm -hmm. So that'll be a an interesting thing to keep an eye on, cause 
it could go either way at this point. I... It could go either way. They Track limits is something this year that I'm just kind of sick and tired of hearing about, but it, you have to be consistent. And if they have evidence and better video footage that can show that, mm, yeah, no, people were going over the limits and you didn't penalize them, then yeah, you have to give out those mm -hmm. penalties because they've been giving them out right, left, and center this year. I thought they had simplified it. Was it last year where it was just like white line? They had simplified it, but the big line. problem right. the big problem now is not the definition. It's can the stewards accurately see the car and have a good camera angle to look at. So that's going to be the big discussion here. That's going to be the big thing with this right of review is Haas is going to bring in video footage and the stewards are going to have to look at it and say, yep, those were track limits or nah, here are other angles that we were looking at initially on that weekend that show something different. It's all going to come down to the video footage, which How long until they install cameras on the cars that have, you know, they can see all four corners of the car? That's what they should already have. For how many cameras they have on board, it's a little bit ridiculous that that's not one of the things that they're just monitoring mm -hmm. definitely a little strange there but you know i i'm gonna skip that one because it deals with uh massey <laughs> or massa sorry not massey massa Ooh. either way both our conversations i'm not in the mood for no we're not getting into it we're not getting into that i, uh, I just no nah. We are we are anti crash gate and twenty one. That's just discussing enough it. Of my time. Uh, <laughs> Autosport came out and said that uh, it has an article talking about possible changes to the sprint format we were discussing before. Yep. Uh, where Horner has says uh, I think there needs to be more to it. We have just won a sprint race. And nobody quite knows what to do because all the focus is already on tomorrow's Grand Prix. It's like you've won a long run and got a medal for it. And then that's the end of the quote. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the goal of... <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, and the thing is, other series have double headers and they've figured out how to do it. So it kind of makes me wonder, why can't Formula One figure it out? Like IndyCar, Formula E, they all do double headers. Mm -hmm. And it's fine. And people are used to it. And people have accepted it. And people rejoice in it and have fun with it. But somehow Formula One can't figure it out. But again, Formula One is different from all the kind of motorsports because it's a constructor's challenge. But you're against uh, in the tactic of reversing any portion of the grid. No, that's stupid. Straight up. It doesn't make sense to do with Formula One cars because they have such a performance difference. You're literally just going to create a traffic jam of the slower cars up at the front. <laughs> Like, no. I still think the relay race idea would work great. Where they, I think that that would be too... Like um, you come in the pit. No, I like the idea. I like the idea. I think it's really fun, but I think it's way too campy and like kind of corny for Formula One. I think that they would hate doing that. <laughs> They'd be like, why? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I think that's um, something they would personally hate. Oh. Well, they can't do what you do at, like, is it Le, Le Mans and other 
24 hour series where they have them run to the car and yeah. get in and then start the car and then go there's yeah. there was one i think in Tas- tasmania or new zealand recently where they added another i think they had to run like a quarter mile to their car <laughs> good lord yeah and and then start the race I'm sorry, but so, I'm imagining how many of these Formula One drivers would trip and faceplant because you know there's a handful of them who would trip and faceplant. There's a couple of them that would slip while trying to jump into their cars. Like, <laughs> it's getting really comical in my head. Oh my gosh. Like, well, and they also have, they have to strap in. Yeah, like, so you'd have to have team members waiting at the car to strap you in. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I don't know. I I know they like sprints. They want to make sprints happen, but it's very much turning into like, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. I just, (laughs) that's where we're at at this point. It's like, look, I'm 42 years old and I'm still trying to make fetch happen. It's like those, (laughs) but the sprint race is that butt ugly ankle length jean skirt that all the fashion brands are trying to make happen. They are butt ugly. Send them back to the factory and shame yourself like the go stand in a corner designers who thought that making those were a good idea jeez i'm trying to find that a video of that um them running to their car if i find it i'll i'll post it in our insta stories but it was funny Mm -hmm. just watching people book it for easily a a quarter to a half mile hey so as a driver, um, I'd be so pissed about that. Like, I signed up to not have to run. <laughs> I hate running. My Why? feet are for pedals. Yeah. Pedals only. Horizontal running. <laughs> no vertical. Just horizontal. All right. Well, Jeez. any uh, viewers, any final questions? Christina, final thoughts on the Brazilian Grand Prix? I'm tired. It's been a triple header. I, I have no more thoughts. Like, triple headers are you. cruel to everybody. And next year, we have two of them back to back. <sighs> yeah, I think on next week's podcast, we should talk about anything but F1. We should take a week off and just talk about something else that interests uh, us. Yeah. Um, if you have any suggestions, listeners and viewers, of what we want to chat about, Movies, Pokemon. At your what pets. point does a soup become a stew? Oh, that's so, that's so good. Here's one I I heard recently. <clears throat> yeah. When uh, people say, "Oh, we're back to square one," how many squares are there? Have you ever heard <laughs> of anyone getting to square two? Come on. Okay. Um, grassroots racing as next week's topic. Uh, you know what? I have been wanting to talk about motorcycle chariot racing, um, these small town dirt tracks, and stuff like that for a while. That that's that's definitely uh, possible. There's a, like a two percent chance we'll have somebody to interview that'll be interesting, and then we'll have to talk a little bit about F1, but we'll see. Um, but that concludes today's live reaction to the brazilian grand prix and uh stay or keep an eye out for wednesday's uh release of the regular podcast also our instagram go to our instagram 
we are holding a contest with our good friend Tom Glover over at the old art house. He does these amazing vintage style paintings of Formula One cars and tracks and scenes. And we're doing a giveaway. He's got a new painting for the Las Vegas Grand Prix coming up. We're giving away three prints of his new painting. Um, he's completing it as we get closer to the race because he wants to keep, he, he's trying to put like the most timely relevant stuff in the painting apparently. So he's doing mm -hmm. it. Now, so I think the actual what it looks like will get revealed after the winners are announced. <laughs> They're not even knowing what they win. Have you have you looked at what he has? Have you seen his Braun GP one? Yes, it looks very nice. Yeah, I like all his stuff. I'm thinking of adding it to my collection because I got, I got a whole Braun GP section here. But mm. with the documentary coming out, I'm contemplating getting that one. But. Head over to our Instagram, enter to win in that contest, and uh, three lucky winners will be announced the morning after the Vegas Grand Prix. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Make me look like I have a flabby chicken wing shirt. Oh.